Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled Season 2. I actually already had recorded an intro for my next guest, my first guest of the season, I guess. Um, And I just felt like it didn't quite do justice. So I'm going to give it two intros because I didn't originally plan on having her as my season premiere, which is nothing against her, but I record all of the episodes in advance, mostly, and then I end up with a backlog of content so that it's much easier for me to export while I'm working full-time, and it's just much easier to manage. So initially, I had recorded an intro for the season with somebody else, and I listened to, and no disrespect to anyone else, but I was editing this episode with my friend Taylor Logan, and I just, I couldn't help the feeling that it gave me and thought that this just has to be the comeback because she is the epitome of what I am trying to do and show and get the word out there with this podcast, everything that Taylor is. So I will still leave you with my original intro for her, but I just wanted to say welcome back to this season. I have some kick-ass guests. I am blown away at the response and the support that I got for season one. And I want to say a massive thank you for supporting me and encouraging me and really loving it. So it's been a pleasure putting it all together again for a new season and I really hope that you enjoy this episode with Taylor because I just think it's everything I am trying to prove. She was an academic who felt the pressure to go to university and that hairdressing almost wasn't good enough. And she is beating the odds (laughs) and proving that it absolutely darn toot and rat is. So um, without further ado, I will pop you back in ignore my double intro but I just felt like it didn't do it justice and that I wanted to pop in and say welcome back and thank you for joining me all right y'all I got my southern accent on and I'm here oh I don't know if that was very good (laughs) 
Anyway, I am talking to my little Southern Belle today, Miss Taylor Logan, who works with for Candy Shaw at Jameson Shaw Hairdressers in Atlanta. And I had the privilege of meeting Taylor many years ago, probably six years ago when I was doing my Sunlight's Balayage training in Atlanta. And I connected with her right away. I think we saw maybe a little bit of each other in ourselves, in each other. Um, and I have had the amazing experience of teaching in Hair Expo internationally with her and having her over here in Australia with me. And she is just the most inspiring person. She is somebody who I wanted to have on to add to my cause of trying to show people that you do not have to go to uni. And Taylor was um, on the Dean's list, I believe, and all, all these high-end academic things and I was not, but she had a scholarship to university. Her parents are both very academic. She's very intelligent and could have gone to university and did actually go, but had this pull in her heart that she knew she wanted to do hair, but felt like it wasn't a career that she could do because it wasn't successful enough, say. So she went, she did her first um, semester or year at uni and then went to hair school. And now she has been the top producer in a 50 chair salon for the past three years and is in the six figure club at Jameson Shaw and has been an international educator on stage working alongside Candy and if she was going to make it doing anything like she was going to be the best in it and hairdressing versus medical or law was no different. So she just is that person who is so professional, shows up. She's the exact example of, you know, maybe not what everybody would strive to be, but definitely what anybody coming up, I think would want to be. She operates a double column. And I was like, can you please explain that? What does that even mean? She literally books a balayage and a haircut at the exact same time and runs a double column all day. So she's going to walk us through that, but she's just so sweet. And I love talking to her and hearing her story. And I actually just was so interested to hear how she operates her day and all of those things. So it's an eye opener of how you can really maximize your potential and how to go from working as an apprentice to working your way up. And like I said, being the top producer. So I loved this conversation. I love her. And I really hope that you can enjoy and learn and be inspired by my friend, Taylor Logan. <laughs> okay. Today I have my friend Taylor. We have been trying to organize this since the beginning of me starting this. And then, you know, the rotation of quarantines and lockdown between America, Atlanta, Hotlanta, and Melbourne has really been challenging. So I'm so grateful for your time today. Thank you. I know it's your of dinner course. time. Of course. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Although when I said it was your dinner time and you were like, no, we eat late. I was like, I should have known you're a hairdresser too. We eat at nine yeah. o'clock. Yeah, exactly. Because you got to get the gym in after you work and then you oh eat dinner. So. <laughs> Good for you. I'm just going home to sit on the couch. <laughs> That's one oh, thing I, I haven't started back doing since quarantine ended. Like all the gym shut. So I was like, oh, perfect. Cancel my membership. No problem. And I just, you yep. know, haven't gone back. It's fine. I'll, I'll get back <laughs> into it one day. You yeah. will. <laughs> so I you know, have Candy Shaw's right-hand lady here. I'm like, I don't know if you like being referred to that way. If you're like, I'm my own identity, but 
That's what I know. I'm very honored to be that for sure. Oh, that's so good. So I met Taylor, you know, it would be like six, six years ago, probably now in Atlanta, but like just briefly, like I was there doing my sunlights training and you were, yeah, coming up then it would have been, you, you would have been on the floor of course, but yeah, six years ago, but newly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, met you there. And then you and I had an amazing experience in Australia together at Hair Expo. Doesn't that we feel did. like- did, in Melbourne. I know. And yeah. I was living in Sydney then. And then last time when the expo was in Sydney, I was living in Melbourne. So I've just rotated every time where I am. <laughs> I didn't realize it's like, that. I just That's like so being funny. put up in the hotel, you know? So I just move every right. time to, to a different <laughs> spot. I'm like, no, I don't live here. I don't live here. I want to stay at Crab. <laughs> I love that. It was so fun. Oh, I missed you last time though. I had Sid, but I missed you. You had Sid. But that's something that we'll definitely get into today is talking about your international hair show experience and all of this. But the way that I like to start most of the, I hate calling them interviews because I like to think they're a bit more casual than that, but is how you got into hairdressing. I always just like to know everybody's beginning into hairdressing and yours is quite interesting. As a, as a well, lot are, but yours is really good and <laughs> something that I think we both are passionate about and really want to talk about, about For uni sure. and that whole thing. So was hairdressing something that you always wanted to do? I think secretly it was. Um, I used to go to a big hair salon with my mom um, at Fitz, which is a huge mall in Atlanta. It was called Carter and Barnes. And I was probably starting at two or three years old. I was in that environment and I just loved to watch. Um, so I think I had like an infatuation with it, but you know, when you're smart and you go to a private school and you have great education, it's like you're expected to go to college. You get a scholarship. That's the next step. So I don't think originally um, I did. I don't think I, I knew it. I knew it in my heart. Yeah. But I don't think I ever verbalized it until I got out on my own went to college and then realized, wait, like, this is what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. That's exactly the thing that I'm trying to get going with this movement is that I think a lot of times people do have that. Oh, I wish I was a hair. I always wanted to be a hairdresser. And I hear it all the time. Even my mom said it to me when I went into hairdressing, I always wanted to be a hairdresser. And when you ask people why they didn't, it's because they feel like they have to go to uni and exactly what you said, you went to a private school. That was the next step. That's what you had to do. So how did you make the transition from going to uni into hair school? How did that happen? Yeah. So first of all, I graduated high school as um, salutatorian of my class. So I wasn't valedictorian, but I was one, the next one in line. And so I was a high achiever. You, (laughs) I was very focused, which do you know anything about the Enneagram? Are y'all into that? Um, I'm like a number three, which is the achiever. (laughs) So that explains it. Um, anyways, it's like a personality test. Um, so I graduated high school and I had a full scholarship to Mercer university in Macon. Um, and they gave me the most money. So that's where I went. And I was just always focused on, again, achieving, being the best at something, studying the hardest, making an A, Um, and the first, and I'm only saying this not to brag on myself, but just to put it into perspective. So my both, um, semesters at Mercer, 
I was on the Dean's list with a 4.0 and that's just me. Most people like me would, you know, maybe be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, because I was good in school. And I think there's just a really bad stigmatism around people being hairdressers because they can't pass high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying oh that God. there's anything wrong. I know. <laughs> I'm not saying if that there's anything wrong with it if you can't. Like it's a trade. There are really awesome trades that if people do struggle in school, that's okay, but just because you struggle in or just because you don't struggle doesn't yeah. mean that hairdressing can't be a successful career for you. So I went to um, college or uni, as you guys call it. I love that so much. I've Um, developed all. I'm not even Aussie. I've just developed all these like things, and I have this mismatch of like terms that I use because you're half Canadian, half Australian at this point. (laughs) No, got this Irish situation happening. (laughs) Just a little bit of everything. The hell. So, um, anyways, I went. I went to college for a year, and I. I'm pretty sure about three months in, I was like internally wrestling with myself. Yeah. I have never been not at peace. And I'm, I'm very much um, like lean on God and scripture and that God is who guides my life. Like I want to do his will for my life. So while I was in school, I just had this heart tug that I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I tried to listen to that. And there was just constant distraction and I just didn't feel settled. So I wrestled with that. And I went to Jacob who I was dating at the time, who's now my my husband. And I was like, I literally, this would have been so much easier if I had just gone to hair school. And, you know, we sat there and we're like, why don't I go to hair school? If I'm good at school, I can be good at hair. And I just, when I tell you it was such a, um, just like such a calling on my life, I feel like it wasn't something that I just chose to do, but something that I was passionate about. So I kind of was nervous to tell my parents and talk to my mom, talk to my dad. My mom's a pharmacist and she went to pharmacy school at Auburn and just was like, Taylor, you were smarter than me. I knew that you would do even more than I could do. And she just really was excited for my future, which I understand as a parent, yeah. like you dream that your kids will do more than you do or have. So anyways, um, I was nervous to tell her and my parents were very understanding. We went on a Monday and toured Paul Mitchell, the school Atlanta. This was, I'm pretty sure in December. So I don't know if it's like that um, in Australia, but we go from August to December and then we take yeah, a break. So same in Canada. Semester. It'd be different. Yeah. Here. Yeah. But yeah. So anyways, we um, went in December and I checked it out and I immediately fell in love. Um, I signed an apartment lease and knew I wasn't a quitter. So I wanted to finish out my, you know, January to May semester, but because I had those really awesome relationships at college I started doing all those girls hair as soon as I got in hair school. Um, it was like my clientele because I was in a sorority. So they all came to me. So it was a blessing in disguise that God. I went to college and I met all these girls and they've really, even to this day, have helped build my clientele. Yeah. So You still got that college experience because I felt like for me, that was something that I was worried about missing out on. All my best friends went to uni. My two best friends went to uni together. And I yeah. was like, I don't get to have this because for me, hair school was like in my 
area. So I just took the bus every morning and went, I didn't get that uni experience. So the fact that you got that too, and got to have your like, you know, in your sorority, your first year and like, then go do what you wanted to do. You got the best (laughs) of both kind of it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sorry. I don't have no worries. (laughs) Don't do that Taylor. Oh no. You can't cough these days. It's so crazy. You cough all you want. That's why we're on video chat. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) And so your parents were supportive, happy for you to go and do that. Yeah. And so I think there was a little bit of, you know, like worry, but they were supportive. Yeah. And then I read through how you ended up at Jameson Shop because you've been there your whole career, Career. essentially. Right. So do you want to go into how that happened for you and that that moment? Because I've had that moment before. And I think I I think everybody has that moment of when they've, you know, their eyes open and okay, this is it. This is how I'm going to do it. This is what I want. Yeah. So I got to Paul Mitchell and people started doing these British haircuts on me. And I actually went to a French hairdresser back home, but didn't know it. She was trained in Atlanta and she was, I'd had several haircuts before, but I was always very particular about my hair. So (laughs) I got to hair school and I'm like, this is not the way that she cuts my hair. This is the way that the people cut hair that I never really liked their haircuts. No mm. offense to British haircutting, but I just realized what I liked. So um, one of the administrators, her husband worked at Jameson Shaw at the time, and they said they needed models for a cutting class. And I'm pretty sure that Jameson Shaw had come and taught some balayage classes. Um, I remember meeting two different educators throughout my career there, but so I think at that point I'd only met one for a balayage class. And then they said, Oh, Jameson Shaw's needing models. So I went and it was just a free haircut. So I was like, cool. Yeah. And what's so crazy is, and I didn't know it at the time, but one of the educators that was the educator of my section she is, she ended up being who trained me at the salon. Like I was her assistant. So it's just kind of a full circle, cool situation, but I left, she changed my hair to a middle part, you know, had the deep Southern girl swoop bang (laughs) side part. I bet too. The Justin Bieber. (laughs) Yeah. She changed my hair to a middle part and it was the best haircut i had ever had in my entire life. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with this, these people, this place, I have to work there. Yeah. So that, like you said, was my aha light bulb moment of knowing that's where I wanted to be. Yeah. And maybe describe the salon for the listeners because I've been in and it's amazing. But the salon that I came from was a 65 chair salon and you're in a 50 chair chair salon. Mm -hmm. That that is not normal here at all. Like the salon that I work in maybe has 10 chairs. And the last salons I were in maybe had like 15, 20, like, and those are big kind of like, I'm sure there is here or there, but it's not like what you or I are used to. And even like when I was starting at the last salon I worked at, they'd be like, oh my God, it's so busy. And I was like, are you crazy? It's like a walk in the park, no matter how booked you are. When there's only 20 staff members, it is not the same as when there are a hundred staff members. Like for sure. It just is there's no comparison to, and I think that's where you get that feeling too. When you're saying I walked in there and I just you're you're like, oh my God, like this, this is it. If I'm gonna be somewhere, I'm not working at a dinky, you know, hair salon in the mall or something. Like it was this is, you know, 
This is it. This I think is the lit ultimate. both of us up. Yeah, for sure. So Jameson Shaw, like you said, is a 50 chair salon. Um, it is, it's kind of like a maze, which not that that has anything to do with it, but you don't really realize how big it is totally. until, until it you get in around. there. It's, it is, it's 5,000 square feet. Oh my God. And it's a feeling. It's not so much the aesthetic. I mean, Candy Shaw is amazing at design and, you know, her vision for all of that. But the salon on the outside is in a shopping center. Yeah. I mean, you look at the outside and you're like, oh, Jameson Shaw hairdressers, like cool front doors, but you don't really get a vibe until. No, you you'd in. never know that it's that big in there because it's just like no. an outdoor shopping area. For exactly. Have a vision. It's just an outdoor shopping area. Yeah. And, you know, there's a glasses thing. Kroger a thing. and a Starbucks. Yeah. And a, yeah. All in it. It's all so American. I love in, your accent. The- I love talking to you. <laughs> I know. People are going to be like, uh, we need to translate this? your subtitles. Subtitles, please. Um, so you but you know it's the professionalism that sets it apart it's the hustle it's the bustle it's the buzz um it's just amazing and how you know in one section we may have 12 to 15 chairs in another section and you have a stylist working on two different people at once and an assistant shampooing and you know, everyone is dressed to the nines and no mm-hmm. blue jeans and, and all of that, yeah. which, you know, there's a difference too. in I think in the salon industry, sometimes people just get into it, not to be a professional, like yeah. there's a difference in being like trendy and wearing flip-flops to work. And Jameson Shaw just like sets the standard so high yeah. um, that I knew like you said, if I was going to be somewhere, this is where I wanted to be. That's and how I felt. Yeah. When I got there, I said, this is going to be the hardest thing that I have ever done in my entire life. But if I can r- rise to the top, rise to the challenge, it didn't matter what I did. If, if it was sweeping the floor or doing the shampoo, yeah. I was going to be the best. And that's what it cultivates in you. If you you know, if you want to rise to the occasion. So, you know, it, the possibilities are endless. It's just that you have to be willing to want it and work for it. So it's, it's very inspiring, but also can be overwhelming. And I think, you know, you have to be the right person to want to work as hard as you have to, to make it there. Totally. And I think that's something that's come up a lot in these conversations of people who I, you know, rank or whatever, whatever the word to be as successful and who I want to talk to. And it's about that work ethic and having that little bit extra. And when I was reading all your stuff, I'm like, oh, it's really like, you know, that's how I feel. Like the things that you feel is how I feel. And the things that somebody else I've spoken to, we feel the same thing. And that's why we keep pushing to the next level, because we have that in us that no matter what we were going to do, I was not going to be average at this. Like there was something that I, you know, was going to find something to do in this industry that suited me best. And for sure, you just touched on doing multiple clients. So now you're a master stylist. Yes. How long have you been there now? How long have you actually been? Um, A a little over six years, like six and a half. So it'll be seven in June. So it's not even that long. Like it's long in terms of like, oh my gosh, like we don't know anything else. And like you can't even, you know, it seems like forever that you've been there, but for sure. Six well, years is not a long time. Yeah. 
six years is not a long time because you would have started after I did like you went you had that year of like school like where you went to university and stuff so you started a little bit later even though we're in the same age right how do you feel like you got to that master stylist role like so quickly and I mean obviously it's kind of obvious how you got there but (laughs) oh because you're the best no um (laughs) Um, honestly, I just wanted it. Like yeah. the first day that we have these like all company meetings and candy makes you get up year. there, even though you're sh- literally shaking, she makes you get up there and talk about yourself. And I think I was, I was young and just like very impressionable and got up there and just like, let my heart speak. And now I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm kind of embarrassed, but I got up in front of <laughs> like you winning Oscar like, or something. I know I got up there and I was like, if I'm going to be here, you know, I am willing to learn. I want each and every one of you to like push me and teach me everything that I can learn because I want to be the best. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I credit that to my parents, just teaching me work ethic and you know, when I was 16 years old and got a car, it was like, okay, it's, I'll buy you a car, but it's time to get a job. And yeah. I, that was just instilled in me um, from a young age. And I don't, you know, I think that that can be taught. I really do. Um, that's one thing that I have learned at the salon is candy sees things in people that I could never see. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why does she hire this person? And then give uh... it six months. And you're like, wow, like she saw the potential and she can see the potential in everyone. And and that's the coolest thing is that you just have to find someone that sees the potential in you because I was terrified, but Candy saw potential in me. And at the moment I didn't see it, you know, Mm I, I didn't see where I would be six and a half years from June of 2014, Mm -hmm. you know? I never knew where I would be, but it's because she saw the potential. And then I think I had the work work ethic to get me there. So talk about, I would love to just go through like what a day in the salon with you is like. So I know now you have, so here it's a little bit different in terms of bookings and stuff. Like, again, I only speak from my experience in the salons that I've worked in, but I've worked in one big company, multiple salons in that company and another salon now. And it's all kind of the same that they tend to operate a little bit differently because it's not commission-based. Right. And you and I came from a commission-based situation, but as far as I know, all the salons in Australia, you have to be on a base, right? As far as I know. So could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, but um, yeah. So the hustle of trying to get all those clients in having an assistant with you specifically Mm -hmm. your assistant to help you to do everything so you can juggle what you've written here as a double book right right I have it somewhere but I've written down a double book so how do you operate that and like what walk me through a busy day for you how or how does that operate and how does that work and what does that look like right so first of all every morning that I come into the salon it does not matter what is going on at home. It doesn't matter if I slept good last night or whatever. I am always 15 minutes early and I do that so that I have time to look at my book. Um, If it's kind of crazy, I try to troubleshoot Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, 
worked alone for probably, I would say a year to two years. And then I got to the point where I was booked out three months in advance and I couldn't take anyone else. And so that was the point that I got an assistant. So when I worked by myself, the only time that I would ever take someone in the processing time would be maybe a men's cut during a single process, like a base color. Um, And then once I got an assistant, it was like, you can basically do anything. Um, One of the things that I kind of pride myself on though, is making sure that every client feels seen, feels cared about. And we still have a consultation, even if they've Mm -hmm. been with me for five years. Yep. I'm not going to tell my assistant, Hey, go ahead and go get her base color mixed up before we even get started Mm -hmm. because I want to make sure, Hey, how's your base? And they're usually like, good, same thing, blah, blah, blah. But I ask. Yep. So that's first and foremost, like just because I'm busy and just because I have a built up clientele, that doesn't mean that I just slack off and it's, it's chaos. It's, it may be chaotic, but it's definitely controlled chaos. So basically I get there 15 minutes early and kind of troubleshoot my day, make sure everything looks good. Um, And I also try to look ahead at my book before I get there, you know, just like a week or two in advance in case we need to call someone to make them move around. Yeah. So um, my, I basically can start first thing in the morning. I have two columns every, I mean, I feel like most booking systems are like a one column. You have like your balayage, your haircut your come out, your come out time. And then the next person. So first thing in the morning, I have a color column and I have a cutting column. So I can take, if it's eight o'clock in the morning, I can take a balayage at eight and a haircut at eight. How? The times are a little different. I, you know, miss so-and-so and and miss so-and-so walk in and I go ahead and have my consult with the balayage. My assistant goes and gets me mixed. I have a consult with my haircut. My assistant goes and shampoos while I start the balayage or pre-cut my balayage. Mm -hmm. And I just start out, I start my day with two people and, you know, they get shampooed while I'm painting. And then I might be like, Hey, let me go ahead and cut her. And she just sits there and is on her phone or working on her What about the pieces that you've put in? Are they processed? Like, do you start in the back because you have to rinse them and sectional, do you sectional rinse or like, what do you No, I mean, I, it, well, here's the thing we're French haircutters. It Mm. takes me three minutes to cut her hair. So like, just to give you an example, the other day I went in. This this is foreign to people like Taylor, this is normal for you, but like, this is foreign for people. And I I just love it. This is like the highlight of my life having this conversation. I literally stand people up, do the basic outline, do the face framing, the layers, three minutes, they're sitting down, my assistant blow dries. And it takes an assistant about 20 to 30 minutes to do her blow dry. So I can get that paint on. The paint goes to the processing. I finish her up, finish her haircut because I will cut it dry again just to double check yeah. it and curl her. And by the time um, her haircut's done, then that balayage is basically done. And then my next bali comes in and then she becomes my haircut, if yeah. that makes sense. So like my next bali is here and then the person that I just balayage becomes the haircut and it's kind of the same back yeah. and forth. So it's zigzagging through your two columns. Exactly. And Mm. it changes. It varies as um, a base. So a base color may come in and I would do a haircut at the same time, but I'm done a lot quicker with the base color. And so then I can't take a men's cut in between type of thing. So I can basically do for every balayage that I do, I can do a women's cut and a men's cut simultaneously Um, because the men's cut in the processing time. Yeah, it's really cool. 
Um, but recently I went up on my timing a little bit because I was finding that I didn't have enough time for a thorough consultation and I wasn't having enough time to curl. Mm. And so that, so what are your times or what were your times and what are they now? Just so so people have an idea, like how long is it taking you? Yeah. Yeah. So my balayages were an hour 15 with a 45 minute haircut. Okay. So two hours for consult, paint, process, tone, Ola, blow dry, cut. An hour and 15. How many minutes do you have to put the balayage in? Oh no, two hours. Yeah. How many minutes do you have to put the balayage in? What is your application? Well, that's the thing is when my timings were only an hour 15 for that, I was having to paint them in like 20 or 30 minutes max, like from, yeah. from mixing to because they have to paint. process. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. And Olaplex so is for it, 10 friggin' minutes. Yeah. And I was just finding that, you know, I was losing the joy of yeah, doing craft. it. I just, I was just like trying to get it on and not really enjoying it. So, mm-hmm. you know, at like this point, yeah, but at this point, um, my balayage times are an hour and a half and then a one hour haircut. So I'm spending two and a half hours, but in order for me to be as productive with how booked out I am, I then started charging more. Yeah. And I was like, we, I was so, I'm still so booked, but we're like, we have to like drop my bottom 10 to 20% so that I can make room for more people. People didn't bat an eye because they, they love my work. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that to brag, but it's just like (laughs) shows you if you're doing, if you're truly doing, um, just like a good service, you're connecting with your people on a personal level, because Mm -hmm. I truly believe that it's so much more than just good hair. You got to bang out some good hair. You could do some shit hair and the people will come back to you because they like you. (laughs) If they like you exactly. But here's the thing. You could also do some really amazing hair. Yeah. Charge way too much money and not connect with them. And they'll leave you because they mm-hmm. feel like you're too busy for them. They don't connect and they feel rushed. Yeah. And that's the last thing that I want any of my guests to feel. So, yeah. So yeah. But one, the last thing I'll say, and then we can wrap this up if I'm rattling on. No, but, you're never right. Um, we, we can go forever. <laughs> but, um, what was I going to say? I just lost my train of thought. Um, the booking system, how you book your days, booking. connecting oh, yeah. with your clients. So, but you also, the hour 30 minutes is my baseline. After that, it's like, okay, Sally has five hairs and it takes me 20 minutes to get it on. I will book people for an hour balayage and an hour haircut and they'll be out in two hours. But that middle of the road timing for just some random girl that books that what is what works for me. And then as I have gotten to know my clientele, I will mm. book them for alternate timings. However, you just have to be really connected with your social media because if mm. that person cancels, you can't fill it with another balayage timing. You have yeah. to have another either base color to fill it with or someone that you really know. Because you so, knew you could shrink her time because you know, it doesn't yep. take you that long because she has two hairs and now you can't fill that spot. Exactly. So you just have to be flexible, but you have to know when you have two sets of hands and when people love you, they would rather get in with you and wait a couple minutes or leave wet. I have a lot of people that are willing to leave wet. So um, I see that all the time on your, your guys' social media. And like, so what does that mean for you? Like you don't get to see the color and you're, it's fine. Like it just, you know, your work is good and you're like, yep, yeah, 
Toodles. I'm always like, what does this have one piece there that's not sitting right? <laughs> Maybe I need to be better. I know. I mean, you do have those fears, but you know, when you've been doing someone's hair for several years, you're like, it always looks okay. It'll be yeah. fine. But we blow dry the bang. We bring them back over. Yeah. We knock a little water out. We blow dry the top because with the French blow dry, you always start in the front. So we do the top two sections, blow dry it, and we see the color and we're like, all right, looks good. They throw it up in a little bun in the back and they're out the door. Oh my God. And then they save $50 on a blow dry and yeah. you can do more people. Oh my God. Wild. I love it. I think people will be mind blown by that, Taylor. That's not normal. Like to, to do a double column like that is really amazing. And I feel like there's times where I'm like, I'm so grateful that I started in the salon that I started in because I didn't have a double book, but I was back to back to back to back to back because take my lunch break out. I don't care. I'd rather get that extra right. commission. No problem. Right. And here it's just different. Like you have to have your lunch breaks. It's very, you know, in the salons that I've been in anyway, like it's that comes out of your pay because you are on a base rate and you are scheduled for a break and all this stuff. And I'm always like, I don't need my break. No problem. Take it out. And I'm like, why do I still do that? Because it still comes off my paycheck and it didn't really help me on my pay. (laughs) Like, you know, so for me, like the more people I do, the more money I'm making Mm -hmm. because it's a commission split. So Mm -hmm. why not get that extra thing in? Yeah. So something that I spoke to you about, if I could bring up, which I really wanted to is the six figure club. And that this is something that again, I'd never seen before. This was one of my aha moments. So like you walking in (laughs) there and seeing that I walked in there and saw that I always knew I wanted to do hair. I always knew I was going to do something big and I could see the potential in a different way. I used to go to a salon with my mom or a lady's basement with my mom and she was doing my mom and me. And when we would leave, it wasn't that expensive, but at the time it was like, you know, she was making a hundred dollars an hour. And I was like, this girl is making a hundred dollars an hour cash in her basement with her kid on the couch, like not paying for a babysitter. I was like, okay, cool. Who do you know? That's making a hundred dollars an hour. That's what I'm going to do. But I knew I didn't want to, I knew I wanted to be in a salon environment. And then that's how I got into Donato's and all these things, but I never converted what a hundred dollars an hour made in a yearly Mm -hmm. salary or like how that kind of, okay, well, what, what's my goal of what my yearly, amount is going to be. And when I went and did train the trainer, I, Candy speaks about the six figure club and how the, you know, the balayage is going to speed up your timing and you're going to be able to do more clients. And I have people in the six figure club. And then my eyes were like six figures. That's what I can be making. Like, you know, my friends aren't making that and they went to uni and, you know, I can do that. And that was my turning point. So walk us through that and like how that kind of happens and it's, yeah. there's a lot of you in it. It's not like yeah. it's just you. No. <laughs> so what, what does that kind of entail? And like, is it yeah. something that is in your head that you're trying to get to that? Cause it's an incentive there. Or is it like, you don't even have to think about it because you're doing so many clients. It just happens. Well, I think initially it was something that I definitely strived for and thought about. And at the beginning um, we have goals. So I think when I started, it was like a hundred thousand dollars a year in services. will get yeah. you into the six figure club and then $10,000 in retail. And so you have to meet both okay. in order to be in the six figure club. And then over so the, the six figure club, just to clarify, it's not six figures going into your pocket. It's that you've Correct. brought six figures you, into the salon. 
Correct. So uh, okay. you would bring in a hundred thousand dollars behind the chair and then you would get your commission split off of that, but you're uh, still, your yeah. services, um, would bring in a hundred thousand dollars. So as the years went on, it got easier and easier to make it also because pricing, I mean, inflation mm -hmm. of just yeah. normal, but your prices aren't world. outrageous. Like your, no, your prices really Every time I hear Candy talk about, like Candy yeah. talks about Taylor every time she does a little thing and I love it. Every time we have a hair show or something, you know, you're the golden child. You, you are the one, no. like you are, you are, you are. And well, I like to think I was too, but <laughs> you know, the, you get the people who just do those things, but it's true right. that you, you don't charge an arm and a leg for your services. No. Not like, okay, yeah, but she's charging $200 for a haircut and $400 for balayage. No, prices it's how are you make it up in, in the amount of people that you do. Yeah. So think about this. I now start with $140 balayage, like base price. And I probably do a minimum on a busy day of eight a day. Wow. So that's 840 and well, actually it's probably more than that. Cause you have the forties, but yeah, it's probably close to a thousand dollars a day just for my balayages. Not Never for my hair toner. Is your toner, toner included in that? No yeah. toner, Olaplex or low lights or base color or um, a men's cut squished in there. It is really insane. But I think that's how, you know, you want it to be affordable. Like you like think about a car payment, right? Yeah. Like you don't want it to be more than a person's car payment every month mm -hmm. um, because you want them to come back. And I think you have to ride that, that ridge, <laughs> ride the ridge. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you have to ride the tipping point of like charging what you're worth, but not taking two to three clients a day and not reaching your potential. So Mm -hmm. We set those goals and, and originally, so for those people that are just starting out, um, you know, sit down and plan like, yeah, you're a hairdresser. But like I was saying before, if, if you like, you can be a hairdresser and still be smart and still be good with at math and numbers and sit down and, and say, okay, if I take two weeks of vacation, so I'm going to work 50 weeks a year, you know, five or yeah, five days a week, then how much do I need to make monthly? how much do I need to make weekly? And then how much do I need to make daily? You may not hit your daily goals, but just because you didn't hit your daily goal doesn't yeah, you mean can you make can up hit your weekly goal yeah. for your monthly goal. So that's how I started out. And now I don't focus on my goals as much because I feel like they're so ingrained in me yeah. and I'm kind of operating at maximum capacity. But there are times when I think to myself, man, I didn't sell any retail today. Mm. Um, and that's not a good thing in our eyes. So if I don't sell retail, it's like, what could I have done better? And as long as I show up the next day, making improvements and holding myself accountable um, is, you know, good enough for me. So wild, love it. And so then the next thing I would love to go into is the hair shows. And you yeah. obviously getting to go and be on stage because something else that I wanted to get out of the podcast was these things that seem unattainable. So, you know, watching people on stage at a hair show, people who are, say, sponsored by brands or whatever it may be. And so you educate for Sunlights and not just Sunlights. You go on behalf like you've done. Um, What's the one boss? The ladies. Lady bosses. Yeah. Like, so it's not just about 
teaching Balia is you're now teaching other things as well. And so how did that happen for you? And what's that like? And so I think it just started out with one candy believing in me, but also just showing up and saying, yes, like find the people that you want to be like, if you work at a salon and the people that you're looking up to aren't doing those things, then you probably need to find another salon Mm. if that's what your goal is. Um, so if that's something you strive for, you got to put yourself in the positions where you can, um, be next to those people and have those people as your mentors. So, you know, when we would have a balayage class or a French cutting class, I showed up on my day off with a notebook dressed up with my makeup on ready to go. And yeah, I was away from my boyfriend or my friends on a Sunday or, and I was making sacrifices, but that's what it took in the beginning to really get me there. And then I was an assistant in a class instead of just taking it. Um, I was an assistant and I watched the educators and Mm -hmm. I was just in it like with my hands. And sometimes I would say the wrong thing, but I would learn from those mistakes. And before you knew it, I was asked to not teach the class, but be an educator in the class when they would bring in a model. So for those people that don't know, when we're teaching in the salon for a balayage class, you take two days. And on the second day we do a live model. And that is something that is in house. It's people that we know that are the models. And so I was asked to be an educator. So I'd have maybe two or three students that they would be taking their models. And I'd be like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh, don't put your piece there. Try putting Uh it here. Or let me show you how to do that. Or hold your elbow up. Let me show you how to do your body position. So You know, Candy has a saying of when you're green, you'll grow. And when you're ripe, you'll rot. And I truly believe that. Like, as long as you're always willing to learn and take in information, no matter how good you think you are, then I think you will just always like push forward. So just putting myself in those learning situations, but then being willing to learn once I was an educator, yeah, got me to that next level. Once you're educating, no, at all, yeah, totally. And then you, you know, the salon industry, people are always coming and going. So, um, some people left, and I was kind of the next in line. And Candy was like, "You're going to teach class with another girl, like co-teach today." And then it started small like that until I was teaching more. And then simultaneously, we're going on the road, and I went to my first. hair show in this small or town in Alabama. And, you know, they get you up on the microphone in the booth, Mm -hmm. um, like at a big trade show booth and you're just painting on a mannequin, but it's baby steps. It's like not being that person. that's like, "Mm, I don't want to be on the mannequin or on the microphone because I'm scared to talk in front of other people. Was I shaking? Yes. Me terrified. Yes. But you just have to like say yes say yes and show up and be willing to do it. And so those little bitty yeses over time showed candy and the leaders that I was capable. And then when they needed me to rise to the occasion and be with her on stage, then, you know, when we needed someone to fill in for a small class on stage, I was put in that situation. And could I have been better probably, but did I fail miserably? No. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't put people, you on if she didn't think you could do it. For sure. But you I know. also think uh-huh. that the ums and ands and buts that I would say mm-hmm. in the interim weren't ideal, but 
you know, given the opportunity and, and I'm so honored to have been given the opportunity because it really makes you a better hairdresser behind the chair as well. And that's something that, you know, Candy has always set the example for us is she didn't just make sunlight's balayage and, you know, get famous on stage and then quit doing hair behind the chair. Yeah. She has little pulses in every, she has her hand in every little thing. And I think it keeps you really um, well-rounded. So my advice would just be to put yourself in proximity with those other people um, and always say yes. Yeah, totally. I 100% agree. I just think that, yeah, like seeing you do it and then being able to go on stage, it's like a full circle thing, going into that salon, seeing where you wanted to be. And then now you've done international hair shows. Like you came to Australia for what, like, you know, like that's, and your, and your husband got to come. I know. I think it was your fiance. It was a trip of a lifetime. But I will say this though, it doesn't start by, you know, you don't, you don't start being good when you get the opportunity to be on stage, Mm. you start being good and you start those fundamentals of dressing up, looking the part every day, day in and day out when no one's watching. And that's how you end up getting to where you want to be is doing it in the grind in the daily and not slacking off. It's about self-discipline that really, it really gets you there. And then when you are rewarded for that, you can just enjoy it, you know, yeah. and, and, um, cause you go in now. Works. And like, I remember in the beginning I go in, I'd be so anxious, like, Oh my God, these foils, like, I don't know where to put them or it would take me a yeah. long time to figure out my placement. Yeah. And like, look, Absolutely. I still have days where I'm like, Oh crap. I don't know about yeah. that. <laughs> Did one the we other day. Do. Not so sure about that one, but we you know. all do. <laughs> But it does. It becomes easier because you're not thinking you're, it's just second nature. You're doing it. You're enjoying it. Are you still, I wanted to just go back. I meant to ask you when you were talking about your book and everything, are you still doing five days a week on the floor? Yeah. And is that quite normal in your salon? Like here, actually a lot of people do four days a week. Mm -hmm. Do most of the staff in your salon do five days like is that what yeah, everyone just most does? people most people do five days um unless you're a mom and then a lot of moms do four I mean I think if I you know went to them and was like hey I want to do one less day we yeah. can make it work but I'm like young I want to grind now so yeah it's pretty standard I mean it's just part of the whole like we got into it as a career um, and so just kind of like normal nine to five people work five days a week. We just work five days a week too. Yeah. And do you, but find- we work, we work like full days. You know how some people yeah. work like really, really long days, like, I don't know, like four, 12 hour days or something yeah, like that. I do. I do a 10 to eight day, which actually isn't long. I used to do a nine forty five to nine day, two days. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't, I mean, oh, you don't days. do those big ones Ten to seven thirty, So like a nine and a half hour day, um, then like a 8 30 to 6 but I did just change my Thursdays to 8 to 4 and it's so great I live mm. at 4 o'clock the sun is still shining in the winter yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's about balance, balance. now but because um, the thing that I'm days. finding for myself is my body is and like when you're talking about doing a double book and eight balayages a day and all of this stuff like I can't tell you Taylor and obviously my body's different to yours you know but my shoulder is disintegrating, you know? And I'm like, how are you still doing five days a week and able to do that? Like what, 
is important to you. I know you have a very good lifestyle and you know, you, you were talking about after work, you're going to the gym and you know, here's my problem. I'm coming home and sitting on the couch, but no, I've, I have <laughs> a lot of couch days. Those things me. are important that the way that you balance your life as well is allowing you to do yes. that. Because I think a lot of people, you know, the financial aspect deters them of becoming into a hairdresser, the hours deter them of becoming a hairdresser. And the fact that you're standing on your feet and doing that all day, it's quite hard like do you find that that is having an effect on you or not so much because you have that second hand to help you um I will say I am a lot more tired if I have a day that I am by myself randomly now I'm like oh my gosh like blow drying that many people it's exhausting so, so because they're doing the blow dry for you they're doing most of the blow drying I mean we'll double yeah. team but again yeah. a double team blow dry for us takes maximum 10 minutes so yeah. it's really fast but I will say, and I, I feel like I'm just like talking up our whole system, but it's no, but it, it is outrageous. So That's much. why I want to talk about it. That's why but I the French, you. but yeah. the French blow dry, the way that we blow dry, the way that we cut with French cutting, and even the way that we hold our brush and paddle with balayage, it's so ergonomically designed that we're not putting pressure and tension on our joints as much. Yeah. Um, when we're blow drying, our wrist is completely out this way, like smooth, you know, like all one level mm. when I'm painting, I'm holding my brush and my arm oh, is yeah. flat. And then when I'm blow drying or I said blow drying and then same way with cutting, like we hold our arms straight, like airplane wings all the time. So you're not really bending your joints mm. a lot and other than your shoulder, but we say, if it's not hurting your shoulder, it's not working right. And, um, right. Sorry. there it's more I'm of a doing muscular it right. hurt, right. It's more of a muscular hurt though, but I will tell you, this is a side note, but talking about lifestyle, I do think that, um, you know, weight training has been really important to me as well as chiropractor. Yeah. Um, I have an awesome chiropractor that she says that male men or women, and hairdressers are the two worst male people. like delivering the mail yeah because Not like a they, male they... man <laughs> like no a female I... female right Woman. right exactly Got like you. the person like that... the postman and hairdressers yeah, the postman yeah because they step out of the side of their vehicle on the same way hundreds and hundreds of times every single day and it like wears and tears on their body which is so crazy That's but so being aligned and um and really taking care of my body when I'm not at work is super important to me. I mean, think about working out, just like, um, strengthening your back, your shoulder muscles, totally. your core strength. Um, it all is connected. And so I think it has really helped sustain me. And I will say this as a real side note, Love it. coming back from COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Once yep. we were allowed to open back up, we started wearing tennis shoes to work because candy wanted us to be able to just, sanitize everything, not wear booties or open toed shoes, all of that. Mm -hmm. And my feet did not hurt like they used to. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was really, really, really awesome. So yeah. I would say just, you have to invest in good shoes too. Like they may not always be the cutest, but it's worth yeah. it. Look, I've been wearing my Converse because those are the best thing. I have a, this is so disgusting. I'm sharing it on my platform here, but I have a bunion. <laughs> Kills my foot, man. I have to wear Converse because they're wide and they can fit my bunion. I got a bunion. <laughs> I got a bunion over here and it's really giving me grief at the end of the day. Because 
I used to wear boots all the time, like little booties. Yeah. So stuff yeah, that I cute. actually can't do. It. I can't do it anymore. Like I, I, yeah. I can't walk home. So <laughs> you have to take care of yourself. <sighs> all right. I feel like we have really covered what I wanted to show the way Perfect. that you work and the way that you operate. And also, you know, the story of how you were going to go to uni. I mean, you did go to uni and how that changed and you still feel and do you think do you think your parents I mean I don't even have to ask the question but I know that they would be like holy shit like they I think people don't know that the potential in this industry of earnings and of joy like how much happy or you are than if you were doing a medical degree that you didn't want to do but don't you think that your pay in your situation is just you know as good Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think number one, parents are blown away with the success that I was able to have. My husband is too, like, when he married me, he was like, um, if I knew that people can make so much money being a hairdresser, then I would tell everyone to go into hairdressing. But you also have to be passionate about it as well. It's not about, and that's why I hate saying the money all the time, but it's just, it's something that has awoken me to the fact that it's so different everywhere. And like, that is the main reason why a lot of people leave the industry or start and leave because they're like, well, I'm not going to make any money doing this. And you can, if you're good and you know how to juggle your book. It's so true. Yep. And I think, you know, at 27, my, you know, I own my own house. Uh, My car's paid off. Um, we paid off any little bit of student loans that I had from hair school and are living debt free and can go on vacations. And, you know, there's just a lot of like financial freedom that comes with it, but then also loving what I do at the end of every single day. And it's so rewarding. Um, you know, I love the connections that I have with my clients. I genuinely feel like a lot of them are now my friends. I'm sure you feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, I go for dinner with some of them. (laughs) I know. <laughs> I do what I want. Hairdressers, hairdressers can break the rules, you know. Actually, someone in my neighborhood started out as one of my clients, and now she watches my dog for me a lot of times. When yeah, I'm here, so. it's, it's, it's I think that that's that totally something that I value from this career is the people that you get to yeah. meet, the connections that you get to make, and so I many cool connections. Completely agree with you. Well, we Taylor, we met each other. I know. Look at us now. <laughs> I love it. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's your Sunday night and I just, um, I've wanted to talk to you for so long for myself, but also I just think it's a great, you're such um, a role model and exam you're inspiring, you know, I, all those things, I think, yeah, you're, you're then. Well, I appreciate it, but I also appreciate and want to say that I see what you're doing as well. I mean, you're kind of taking um, lemons and making them into lemonade with the whole COVID situation and being shut down. And this is something so cool that you're pursuing. It's your dream and you're a hairdresser, but you're also creating this community and props to you for, I don't know how you're reaching out to all of these like super famous people and getting them on here, but yeah, I don't know. to be honest, I don't know either. What the heck's going on? I've been getting emails from like people's personal assistants. And I'm like, I think they're a prank. I literally was like, somebody is doing this like making fun of me <laughs> and then well, I responded it. it has the watermark and I'm like oh my what's, what's happening, happening? 
<laughs> well, keep it up because Thank you. Um, I just think this awareness that you're kind of creating within the industry is really cool. I mean, when you had Candy on here, I watched hers and, Thanks. you know, just it's really cool what you're doing to um, like encourage other people. So keep it up. Love it. Thank you so much. You're the greatest. Love talking to you. Love your accent. You too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.